Today's program is brought to you by City National Bank. City National Bank offers the best of both worlds. Their clients benefit from personalized attention and flexible solutions without sacrificing access to the global scale support and resources needed to grow in the aerospace and defense industry. Your success is their business. Visit cnb.com forward slash aerospace dash defense to learn more today. Welcome to the Defense and Aerospace Report podcast. I'm your host, Vago Maradian. Our podcast is brought to you by Bell. Since 1935, Bell has been redefining flight. Learn more about its pioneering spirit at bellflight.com. With the Paris Air Show starting next week, we had an opportunity to talk to Ted Colbert, the CEO of Boeing Defense Space and Security. Since taking office in March 2022, he's been on a drive to improve performance given some of his unit's top programs have faced costly problems. He streamlined his organization, hired thousands, and invested in the business, and rather than micromanage, sought sweeping culture change to empower his workforce. Before we get started, Leonardo DRS and HII sponsor our global coverage. General Atomics Aeronautical Systems sponsors our strategy coverage. Ultra Intelligence and Communications sponsors our command and control coverage. And GE Aerospace sponsors our air and naval warfare coverage. Here's our conversation with Ted Colbert. Ted, uh, thanks very much. It's an absolute uh, pleasure seeing you, especially before the scrum of Paris and uh, all the walking that's going to go with it. Likewise, good to be with you again. And we are so looking forward to Paris. Uh, same, uh, same here. It's going to be uh, going to be terrific. Uh, and you and I had an opportunity uh, to talk. We've we've talked a couple of times since then. But at uh, Farmbro, you've been in the job for a couple of months, uh, and we're looking at engineering, seeing what the common themes are as you were looking to try to re-engineer uh, the company uh, in many respects. Some programmatic challenges, some cultural challenges, as uh, as you've noted. Um, walk us through a little bit on. Um, how do you grade your progress so far, right? There's been a lot of work. You've changed uh, some folks, some very good folks who may not have been in the right jobs, trying to get them in the right jobs and the right people in the right jobs in the right places. Uh, you've been working to get your arms around programmatics, uh, even you know, small items like, you know, like bathrooms, right? I remember us at one point talking about, you know, grade your progress so far in the performance and where you gauge sort of the, the, the return, the tackling mission, because it took an awful long time to get there. Mm-hmm. And it's been 18 months under your watch, but there is a lot more work to do. Indeed, I, I'll start right where you left off. Uh, first, thank you for the opportunity to share once again. And I think we've made some market progress in many areas, and I think there's still a lot of opportunity to drive even more performance across our business. And if, if I rewind the clock to earlier this year, when we started the year, we talked about our priorities this year would be about driving stability uh, in our operations uh, with our workforce, into the supply chain um, and in our process for uh, the next set of contracts, proposals, et cetera. And I think across all of those dimensions, our team's working really hard uh, to do exactly what we said we were going to do. Underneath that, I'd say we um, went through a process of uh, changing the structure of the organization. We went from eight business units to four. Uh, That allowed us to uh, get work and put our resources closer to the work that's being done, less uh, higher up in the organization. 
um, you know, less spread out functional resources across a lot of business units, more a synergy and sharing of those resources and, and going after the biggest constraints and challenges we have with the resources that we have to bear. Um, that work from a, an organizational perspective, I think, is making good progress in yielding results. Uh, there are programs where, uh, because we've got uh, a larger engineering workforce within uh, P&L to, to work with, uh, we can um, move people onto big problems very quickly. And so that's, that's working uh, really nicely. Um, the culture that you have in your organization is a function of several things. Uh, one of those uh, dimensions of culture is um, the people that you put in jobs. And uh, we put Steve Parker uh, into a COO role uh, earlier this year. Steve has operations, he has manufacturing, he has quality program management and supply chain. And uh, over the last several months, we filled out his org chart uh, even more. We put great talent in those roles. Uh, some of our strong, uh, programmatic, longstanding, great talent. And we have a boomerang employee that left the company and came back. And we went and uh, hired another external talented uh, leader as well as part of Steve's team. Um, those leaders will set the foundation for uh, the culture of functional excellence that we have across the organization going forward. That is another dimension of, of culture that we're moving forward and they have hit the ground running and making good progress across uh, all those different areas. Uh, with regard to people and talent, uh, we've, uh, we hired about 10,000 folks last year. We're gonna hire a bunch of folks this year. Um, our hiring processes are working at a strong pace. Uh, we're bringing folks in, training them, and getting them proficient, whether it's uh, folks that are working on our product in the form of touch labor or engineers um, or our finance leaders or supply chain leaders. Um, we're on the path to uh, stabilizing that as well. Um, our labor loss has improved. The amount of churn with people moving around the organization has improved. Uh, we are keeping people in jobs longer because we need the continuity uh, of their leadership in specific roles. So that's making really good progress. Uh, and then in, in the supply chain, um, we are spending more time helping our suppliers with uh, their health, whether it's people or processes or technology. We've deployed hundreds of our leaders into the, the supply chain to help with requirements absorption. Uh, that is a, an, a, an element of help that, that really um, improves first-time quality from the supply chain. We've also helped them with implementing um, quality tools like APQP uh, in the supply chain. Again, when we do the work with our suppliers and help them with APQP or requirements absorption, we see improvements in first-time quality um, every single time, every next product that gets delivered from them. So those efforts are working in a way that uh, we're, we're very happy with, and, and yet we all want this to move even faster. Um, across many of our platforms, we still have uh, challenges within the supply chain, large and small, that affect the stability and flow of our factories. And we work with our suppliers on each one of those issues one by one um, and drive for improvement. And so um, I don't think we are moving as fast as anyone wants us to move across you know, any dimension, but I believe that we've got the foundations from a people perspective, uh, from a focus perspective in place. And the last thing I'll say going all the way back into the early part of the value uh, chain for us, um, the way we start programs, um, the way we start E7, uh, the work that we did on Apache Multi-Year 2, uh, takes into consideration all the lessons learned we've had over the last many years with regard to our programs. We've got to start these programs healthy. 
Uh, we've got to put our baselines uh, founded in realism, founded in experience that we have, founded in the challenges that we know that are sitting right in front of us, um, and, uh, and make sure that the whole system, um, ourselves, our customers, our supply chain, understand that this is all about running a healthy, healthy business. And a healthy business for us means healthy uh, delivery to commitment for our customers, which means we deliver for the warfighter. Um, and our mission is, is the, the North Star for everything that I just talked about, whether it's near term or long term. And we remind ourselves of that every single day. Um, let me um, go to uh, the things that needed fixing, right? Yes. At the time that we spoke, um, I said, like, hey, is there, are there common themes here? And I'm going to ask you about programmatics in a second. Sure. But what were the things, the big lifts from your standpoint, right? I mean, I know part of it was uh, the, the having the right people in place. But what were all of the things that you spotted that you thought were, okay, here's all the long list of things that we need to tackle because it's in the eaches that then give you the, the bigger deliverable? Yeah, I mean, I, now I'll go back to uh, coming through you know, the period of the pandemic with a lot of churn in the workforce, we, we really, you really have to settle down uh, the workforce before you can see proficiency, get to a level of, that's acceptable and consistent, stable delivery in the factory. Um, again, work in progress. And, you know, there are examples of that with things like F15EX, where we implemented FSDA or full-size determinate assembly. Um, and we had to make sure our people were trained to do the work well, make sure the engineering and design uh, factors and, and, and variables were right. And there's a little bit of rework there that we're now maturing on. Um, some of our other products uh, with regard to um, uh, other techniques that we had we had to make sure the supply chain uh, was trained and proficient in those things as well. And so those are, are making good progress. I think more broadly, um, after going through uh, some really challenging times, it's, it's really important to have a culture uh, that is transparent, uh, both uh, within the company and with our partners, whether it's the suppliers or our customers. Um, and that, that is, that's one of the enablers of you know, things like Apache Multi or two, you know, being transparent about how you know wage and price escalation was playing into the proposal. Um, you know, working through how we make trades together and putting together an approach that again benefits the warfighter first. So um, those things work. Um, we have this uh, effort in the company called Seek, Speak, and Listen, which is about our leaders and our teammates spending time with each other, seeking out and and listening to the challenges that people have, and figuring out how to help solve you know constraints and and other challenges. Um, that is sort of inculcated into everything that we do. Um, and it's a way for people to um, to recognize that when we say speak up and when we want transparency, we're going to model it and it'll be part of, of sort of the fiber way we work. And, um, and that, um, it sounds pretty, you know, straightforward and table stakes um, in a very complex, um, you know, geographically diverse um, uh, environment. Um, you can't ever take those things for granted, and you have to make sure that your teammates are are speaking up when they need something every single day. So, um, you know, we go around. Last week, um, I'll tell you, Vago, the other thing, um, as part of moving forward, that we have um, just really focused on is lean. Um, last week, we did a bunch of lean walks in uh, our factories up in Philly. 
uh, to just spend some time with our leaders and seeing how they are progressing with regard to solving for constraints, bringing the whole team together, incorporating the lean methodology into their day-to-day -day operating rhythms. And, um, and, and that helps us you know, figure out how we need to help them as well. And, and this goes back to your point that I made before about when you walk into a factory, you start to observe things. And when you observe things, you make judgments about how things are really working. And you know, over the last several months, I've been into just about all of our major factories and the progress is marked. Um, we have several new site leaders in our factories around the country. Um, and uh, and they take seriously everything from you know the bathrooms to the tools to getting people materials. When our when our teammates have and this goes without saying because it's pretty obvious in a manufacturing environment. When our teammates have the tools they need and and the parts they need to get their jobs done, they do amazing work. And it's our job to make sure that that happens every day. Um, and that's what my team and I are committed to doing for our team. Um, how long? At what point do you know you've succeeded, right? Mm. And mm. how long is that going to take? And does do your bosses understand and are giving you all the resources you need to be able to execute this? Because yeah. it's wide ranging. You're bringing ten thousand more people on, and at a, at a time when you're probably playing paying premium for that, just like everybody else is, uh, a high inflation environment. Although it's decreasing a little bit, um, how long does it take? And what are the big lifts that have to happen between now and whatever you consider to be success, however you're measuring it? Look, I, I say this every day. We just take it one day at a time. And we have a very broad and diverse portfolio. Um, developing and, and uh, manufacturing satellites is very different from fighters and vertical lift and, and other things in our portfolio. And they all are working at different paces uh, from a performance, in some cases, recovery perspective. Um, my success to me is just getting the stability. Um, seeing you know clear linearity in our ability to uh, get things done on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, I'll give you a, a good story. Our first quarter, we hit all of our, our deliveries. Um, that's good. Uh, that means that you know we're meeting our commitments. And so, um, that means that the work that we've been doing for the last year or so is uh, is coming to bear. We are putting realistic forecasts in place. We're working with the supply chain to get parts in place where it needs to be, you know, et cetera. So the whole system is beginning to move forward. Now, the fact of the matter is that there are going to be bumps in the road. That is the nature of big industrial complex technical uh, manufacturing and development. And a stable environment knows how to digest those bumps in the road in a way that doesn't create a moment every single time there is a bump in the road. When we get to stability, we'll have bumps in the road and they'll be less impactful. Um, I think about, um, and, and if, you, if you sort of break our portfolio down, we have these big fixed price development programs. Um, getting those through the development process and up in rate is the goal there. Uh, once we get up in rate, We'll have more predictable, better flow in the manufacturing environment. Uh, that'll be goodness. For you know, some of our enduring platforms, we are you know, taking advantage of our lean uh, techniques to bring more productivity uh, to those so that when there are bumps in the road with us or so the supply chain, um, then we can absorb those and keep moving and keep the factory moving forward. And so in, in either case, 
I think we're on the right path and trajectory. Um, and at the same time, um, it's not going to be perfect, and it's going to take some time. Uh, it'll take, you know, through this year, we'll get, we'll continue to put all the right, uh, you know, foundationals, you know, plant all the seeds that we need to plant. Uh, we'll start to yield those next year, and it'll just keep making progress from there. Uh, but I, I think um, it's hard to predict for everything because every because our portfolio is so diverse. Uh, but we look at a ton of measures every month: uh, first-time quality, engineering quality. You know how we're placing POs on time. Um, we are tracking them, looking for trends, understanding where the constraints are, and going and fighting them one at a time at a time. And uh, to me, we keep doing that. We keep putting the right people in place. Um, we stay close to our customer, which is the most important thing to do. Uh, we will be just fine. And uh, senior management, your boss, David. Calhoun is making the resources and everything you need available yes. and everybody's patient at the top? Well, you know, <laughs> as patients as, as, as stakeholders are in these situations, right? Um, you know, I think that, that um, we do the best that we can to keep all our stakeholders as clear um, about where we are as we possibly can. I mean, that was, if you go back to our investors conference, that was the whole point of doing that, was to sort of lay out where we are and lay out a plan to, you know, the type of financial sort of portfolio and financial expression that, uh, that we expect to see. And, and that's what we just spent a lot of time doing. And when we need something, we, you know, we have to get it. Sometimes we have to prioritize because that's the nature of business, right? But do you uh, feel that from a senior corporate level, if you need the investment you need to bring in new business, uh, new people, uh, and make the investments you need to invest, that the senior leadership of the company will make that investment available to you? I think I am accountable to that, and, and, I, and I get all the help that I need. Absolutely. Uh um, let me uh, take you to uh, the question of programs. Yes. Uh, you know, you said, like, let's start them healthy. That's the most uh, important thing. Mm -hmm. Some new challenges on T7. Starliner faces its own challenges. Mm -hmm. uh, KC-46 is sadly a gift that continues to somewhat give, keep giving. Um, MQ-25 has also been a little bit of a challenge. What, what are some of the broader lessons, Ted, from all of these programs, right? I mean, there are fixed price development uh, contracts, but on the other hand, right at this point, you have a better understanding of, of those original sins. What were some of those original sins from your standpoint mm -hmm. that are, you guys are di dissecting, digesting, to make sure whether it's NGAD or any other program that you guys are gonna be executing on, that you can generate them compete successfully, win successfully, and execute successfully? Yeah, first, um, in sort of an ode to where these things started, I can't go back and think too hard about different contexts, different time. The leaders and our teammates made decisions for the reasons they did. I, you know, I have to work from today going forward. And I also, you also learn from observation and from experience. And, you know, as I mentioned before, starting programs right. Um, working with our customer on the right contract structure, um, making sure that all the inputs to our proposals are based in um, our understanding of you know, realistic performance, historical performance in the context we're in today, uh, realistic understanding of maturity of the technologies, maturity of the manufacturing environment, um, the producibility uh, opportunity that we have. Um, where we stand on things like digital. And so um, so any next thing that we do takes that into consideration. And um, 
And we make we are going to make tough decisions about what we bid on and not bid on um, if it doesn't have a path to being healthy and accretive to our bigger plan. Um, and so that that is really, really important. So starting things right, uh, making sure that all of our baseline estimates are based on realism. Uh, and we're super transparent with our customers about um, where the supply chain stands, where we stand, how we build up the pricing models, how we understand maturity. Um, you know, transparency is just key to everything going forward. So, you know, we, we learned. And then I think from a technology uh, maturity readiness perspective, um, less learning lessons from work that, uh, you know, how you transition from a first article, you know, into EMD and, and beyond, um, you know, just making sure that we have, you know, crossed every T and dotted every I with regard to the training of our own people, training of the supply chain, um, the real, um, you know, engineering V, like on steroids, um, as we think about how to do verification, uh, of, of the work that we've done, et cetera. I mean, these are all, this is all standard work, uh, but it's also work that, you know, we just want to make sure that we do well um, forever and, and with, you know, high degrees of uh, performance going forward, right? So um, those are some of the things that I talk about, yeah. Do you, do you think, um, right, I mean, one of the challenges has been that some of these programs just, you know, we, we have some bad news and then we have a little more bad news. Starliner, we thought we turned a corner on it. Then we, we've got some more bad news. Are, are you comfortable now you're at a place where you're fully identifying the scope of that challenge, right? Because the street responds most negatively and I suspect your CEO as well. Like, I thought you told me we were over this, right? I mean, do you, do you feel comfortable that you're getting your arms around sort of the magnitude of the issues and the challenges, and that at some point you're approaching the light at the end of the tunnels? I think, look, so if you break it down, KC-46, um, used by the operator today, great feedback from the operator. Um, we have RVS 2.0 on the right path. It's actually in a simulator in this building that we've got rave reviews on. Um, th that product is just amazing and will serve the customer for a very long time. The factory, is making incremental improvement on productivity one line after the next, one plane after the next. So that is moving in the right direction, no doubt. Um, Starliner is space. Space is hard. We fly when we're ready and when we're safe, and we stay really close to NASA on that. That's all I can say about that. Um, I think our team's done a tremendous job um, on the program and will continue to do a tremendous job going forward. It is, it's hard work and it's gotta be right. Uh, so we will not fly until it's right. Um, things like T7, MQ, VC25B, those are development programs that still have a lot of flying ahead of them. <laughs> so for anyone to say that we are, you know, we will not have another bump in the road is just unrealistic. Um, it's the nature of uh, complex aerospace products. And in some cases, you know, we're doing MQ-25 is an autonomous refueling tanker. It's, it's things that have largely not been done before. So there will be learnings along the way. The thing that I'm most um, excited about and encouraged about is, you know, if we execute our efforts around lean, we create space for ourselves to deal with these hiccups. Um, if we 
continue our first principle around transparency. We keep everyone involved when we find an issue and get the resolution as quickly as possible. Um, you know, if we keep developing great talent in the engineering and operations space, we'll solve these problems very quickly. And if we keep working with our suppliers, um, we'll improve the flow of everything that we have going on. To me, when you have those inputs working um, at the right pace and, and sort of velocity, um, it allows you to deal with these issues in a different way. Um, you know, and then if you if you can figure out ways to um, to evolve the business model or contracting structure around some of these in a way that um, that that mitigates some of the financial risk, that's a plus. Um, if we can do that, that'd be great. But the other, the operational inputs are the things that I want to make sure we get rock solid so that when we have challenges, we can go solve them and go solve them quickly. Um, let me uh, take you to that, right? Yeah. You guys uh, worked uh, Tanker for a long time. Yeah. Uh, there was a sense that this is going to be a very, very important franchise over yes. the long term. So you guys were willing to buy in on that and make that investment in order to get the long term returns. Now the Air Force is saying you may do something completely different. You guys worked Wedgetail for a very long period of time, got a product, made the investment, brought it to the Air Force. The Air Force said they were going to put you under contract, but then it's not funded. Um, so, you know, what do you see, you know, what, what would you like to see from your customer at this point, and how are you guys responding, given that this is an area of the business where you guys have put a lot of investment to see longer-term returns, and, and there are a little bit of a, a challenge between now and then? Vago, look, we work in very closely with our customer, uh, you know, with the acquisition community, with the, obviously with the, on the Hill. And um, I, I believe in those two cases, it's clear that both of those products and set of capabilities that go along with them are important to um, theater, to the threat environment we're facing. And there is a desire to keep them moving forward. And there's a lot of other moving parts. Um, you know, E7, uh, really important. Uh, we've had a lot of progress in, with Australia and the UK, and now moving forward and, and trying to accelerate here with the US. Um, I'm confident that we'll continue to move forward on E7. And on KC46, uh, we've all invested uh, in many ways on that platform. And as I described earlier, um, it, it, at least in my experience and talking to the operators I talk to, um, is, is enjoyed by the operator. It serves its mission. Uh, it's mission capable on, on every target except for one. And, um, and from a being ready for um, you know, a threat over the next decade, um, it's there. Why, why, would, why would anyone go and start a new program um, you know, in this domain uh, when we have a product that has gone up a maturity curve, is has been um, trained on by the operator, um, and it just keeps getting better and better and better. Uh, and so that, you know, I don't necessarily lose sleep about. Um, I believe that as we continue to field KC-46 tankers, um, this it'll be clear as it is today, even more clear, that this is the product that will help us with our tanking needs and mission needs beyond tanking uh, for a very long time. Um, there, uh, one of the questions that uh, came up uh, coming in here was the number of people saying, look, how does Boeing successfully compete for NGAD? 
when its competitors, Lockheed and Northrop, have fielded stealth aircraft. They're on the second bite of that apple. Uh, the last new airplane uh, that uh, Boeing developed was uh, really the F-15 EX, but that's a redux of an earlier version. F-18, ENF, really, and, and Growler maybe is the most recent of that, even though you guys did win um, an NGAD demonstrator uh, contract a couple of years ago, which was important. How do you respond to those people who, who sort of question whether or not you guys have the currency of capability to be as competitive against guys like Lockheed and Northrop in this? And more importantly, how does the government need to think about industrial-based capacity in this? And could this be something that's a leader follower? I don't want to put you in a position of being a follower, but you guys have some extraordinary production capability. Do, you know, do, do one or the other of you end up in this as the follower, the producer of a design that you might not win outright? Not to ask a kind of a complicated question. <laughs> well, about half of your question, I'd encourage you to go across the street to the Pentagon and ask them. <laughs> um, I can't speak to NGAD, uh, but I will say that fighters are important to us. Um, it's a business we've been in for a long time. If you if you think about the T seven, uh, the T seven is a um, a fixed wing uh, airplane that we developed. Um, with a digital base, um, we're still in the development pro process with, uh, but has all the characteristics of uh, that allow you to learn and be ready to build the next thing. And uh, in addition to our work with T7 um, and the digital operation, the digital manufacturing, uh, the model-based engineering foundation of it, uh, we are continuing to invest in uh, in technology. We have. Uh, three new sites in St. Louis uh, that support uh, future capabilities for fighters. Uh, we built an advanced composite center out in Mesa, um, or advanced materials uh, center out in Mesa, um, and we're investing in all sorts of other building block capabilities um, that I believe are important. Um, I would challenge you to go to St. Louis and, and challenge anyone as to our ability to develop fighter technology and capability, I think you get a really strong argument uh, that our team uh, has the, the passion, the skill, technology, capability, and, and frankly, um, you know, putting all that together, the ability to scale up um, you know, fighter technology, whatever generation it needs to be. Um, we are, we've just, we're going through um, implementing new mission capability and full-size determinant assembly um, uh, on the, the forward fuselage of the F-15EX, um, as an example. Um, and, um, and it's going to work, and it's going to be great, and it'll be another way that we demonstrate our strength in the fighter world. So I don't know why anyone would try to count us out of, of anything fighters. Um, and when the time comes, um, if it comes to, to feel the next big thing, I'm, I'm confident we're going to be ready. And, and you think Ghost Bat, uh, especially when it comes to the collaborative combat aircraft, that you guys uh, are going to be uh, highly competitive in that space, given the work you're doing and, and sort of parlaying the MQ-25 capability you've developed? Well, Ghost Bat, um, MQ-28, um, work that our team in Australia um, have developed and just done a fantastic job of, of working on man-on-man -man technology, um, again, using some of these uh, these sort of modern capabilities with full-size determined assembly, um, advanced materials, uh, autonomy. Um, we are, it's again, it's another way to demonstrate our ability to learn 
implement new technology, be agile, and keep iterating. And and frankly, work uh, with uh, with our allies uh, and worked in the sort of global theater that we're all going to have to work in uh, going forward. So, you know, I I just pull up from the the whole discussion and think about the fact that we believe and we are investing heavily into uh, digital operations, uh, the digitization of our products, and the use of um, you know, analytics and artificial intelligence, autonomy, uh, advanced materials, um, all those building blocks are important to our future. And that may get instantiated um, in fighters and heavy lift. And, you know, it, it, there's a variety of, um, uh, of uh, products from seabed to space. Um, so my thought process is get the capabilities right so that whatever we need to field, we have a um, you know, a, a pool of innovation to pull from. Um, lightning round, uh, three questions, uh, three minutes. Uh, first, um, yes. how do you see the overall defense and space environment now, right? I mean, we're yes. fiscal challenges. We went through all of this stuff. Yeah. You've had to contend with inflation, both yes. in materials and people, uh, and, you know, supply chain, although those issues, as you said, you guys are working hard to make sure that it actually doesn't impact you as much. Walk us through how you're viewing the environment going forward. Well, look, you know, inflation, escalation, it, it, it's a number or a set of numbers, but it's complex because a whole system has got to get synced up, right? Um, there are so many, don't, you know, nodes in the system of how that plays out from the supplier to the person who buys the thing. Like that, it, it will have to settle itself down at some point. Otherwise, we're all going to be very challenged going forward. I think from a defense industrial-based perspective, um, the the war in Ukraine um, has really um, you know put an emphasis for all of us on um, the importance of having the right magazine depth um, you know to be able to support uh, what's happening today and what can happen in the future. Um, countries around the world have increased their investment uh, in defense products and services, um, and we are right there with them trying to support those requirements, whether it's Germany or Poland or anywhere else. Um, that is creating, you know, growth, uh, healthy growth for all of us. Um, and I think um, space will be very important in the future. Uh, so we're investing in space and we're participating in that with our customers here. And, um, and any of the other products and services and missiles and weapons, fighters, vertical lift that, that uh, fit into um, the theater that, that we need to have going forward. So uh, we see growth um, all over the place. I think that we are all working to move at a faster pace. And when we partner together um, across this whole ecosystem, it works really well. Um, and we have examples that I can't talk about that, uh, that demonstrate that. And so I'm encouraged by all of that. Um, but I will say the war in Ukraine has helped us all get better focused on uh, working together better, moving at a different pace, getting focused and prioritized on the things that matter, using things off the shelf that work, recombining capabilities to support the warfighter. Um, and I think that, um, along with investing in many of the next generation technologies, will be the focus going forward. And um, I believe that we have opportunities across our entire portfolio to play and play well, both domestically and around the world, um, and take advantage of um, capabilities that the Five Eyes share, um, that AUKUS will, you know, drive towards, especially Pillar 2 AUKUS, 
um, I think we're, we will play in all, all of those uh, going forward. And, uh, and I'm encouraged by the work that we're doing. And so to tie all this together, um, it's important that when I talk to our leaders in the company or our teammates, we first focus on the mission. And um, our company plays a very important role in fulfilling the mission of deterrence and global security. Our ability to deliver uh, our commitments and products and services um, is a matter of contributing to that. And so it is critical that all the things that I described before, as grimly and as detailed um, and as technical as they may sound, are important, uh, whether it's culture or those next generation capabilities or it's executing lean in our factories or putting the right people in the right place at the right time. So this whole system, I think we are working towards uh, you know, getting synced up and, um, and we uh, will participate in a really significant way in the industrial base going forward. And so will our um, competitors. <laughs> you know, um, everybody's got a part to play. And, uh, and, and we need everyone to play their part uh, so that we can, you know, do what we need to do. Uh, before we go, I have to ask you uh, about the Bloomberg report sure. that uh, the company uh, th that, you know, according to an internal Pentagon uh, uh, assessment, um, that the company had refused uh, to disclose pricing data to the department on something like 10,600 uh, items. Um, that report came out and shortly after that, you know, prominent uh, lawmakers called on Secretary Austin to investigate uh, high, high, you know, or profit taking on the, on the part of the industry. That was in the wake of the 60 Minutes report that, you know, uh, included the former uh, Pentagon procurement policy chief, Shea Assad. Is there anything you want to say about both of those reports, you know, the sentiment that the industry is profit taking and the specific case on, on what, you know, you know, why would Boeing, for example, you know, you've been talking about transparency, mm -hmm. would refuse, for example, to share pricing data uh, on, on, you know, parts or whatever they were. And so thanks, Vago, for the question. So on the specific case, um, look, we will work very closely with the Pentagon to um, analyze whatever claim is made and whatever challenge may exist. Um, our intent and our focus every day is to be compliant to the contracts that we sign uh, with our customer. And, uh, and that's the way that we operate. So um, notwithstanding working together with the Pentagon, I, I can't comment any further than that other than we work hard every day to just stay compliant to our contracts and provide whatever data information is requested and is, is, is part of those, those contracts. You know, on the broader sentiment, um, you know, I, I don't think that, um, you know, myself or our peers in the industry uh, work, work towards, you know, profit taking in a way that, um, that is unreasonable. We are, you know, you can read our 10Ks. Um, the margin in our businesses is, is pretty, pretty standard, pretty constant, um, and sometimes even determined by contract. So, um, you know, I, it's an interesting claim. Um, and, uh, and I'm more interested in staying focused on working with the Pentagon on the specific challenges and making sure that we're doing what I said before, which is being transparent about um, everything that we do. So uh, we'll stay close to our, our, our partner customer there and, uh, and do the right thing at the end. And that's the bottom line. Ted, thanks very much. Really appreciate it. Um, looking forward to seeing you in uh, Paris and I hope you have a very successful uh, air show. Thank you, Vago. Appreciate it. Thanks for the time.